Welcome to Business Unplanned, a business podcast from BMO. I'm Michael Hyatt, and this is part two of a four-part series. What you're about to hear is an audio from our virtual event called Preparing Your Business for the Future, held on July 14th, 2021. I'll be answering questions from Canadians from all across our country and talking about how you can properly plan your business from what's coming in the future. In this episode, I'm joined by Victoria Lennox, co-founder and president of Startup Canada. And remember, for additional resources, you can visit bmo.com slash smallbusinessresourcehub. My name is John Davids, and I'll be your moderator for this session. Let's welcome Victoria Lennox to the conversation. And we'll we'll pose this question to you, Victoria, to start off. Uh, There's been a lot of change during the pandemic, obviously. Why do you think entrepreneurship and starting up businesses has been a silver lining of the pandemic lockdowns? I'm really excited uh, to be joining today from the unceded Algonquin Territory here in Ottawa. So silver lining, absolutely. I mean, the pandemic forced a lot of us home, uh, working from home. We had a lot more time on our hands. Well, parents, that's questionable. Um, But we did have a lot more time. We had a chance to pause get caught up on the latest technology, where the economy was going for a lot of us who are working nine to five. We had a chance to, you know, start to look at Bitcoin, look at investments, kind of just look at our options in front of us and maybe pick a different future. We also had a chance to upskill. We had a chance to go back to school, to learn online for free. Uh, It was an amazing time. And this silver lining was a chance to catch up and to pause. Uh, and, and, and to reassess if what we're doing in our lives is kind of what we want to do uh, if we only live once. Uh, it was also an opportunity as whole industries opened up that didn't exist before, or it, we doubled down on, on online conferencing. Uh, we had breweries, microbreweries turning into sanit- uh, hand sanitation uh, manufacturing centers. We saw this with Manjeet Minhas. It was a, a, a real uh, opportunity for entrepreneurs to demonstrate their resilience by pivoting. And so that was what we also saw. But we also saw an exodus of employees who were being laid off. And that also showed us that our, our jobs aren't safe and our jobs might be at risk. And it created, finally, entrepreneurship by necessity as well. You know, in Canada, we're so lucky, we're so well off. Um, We're one of the highest educated countries in the entire world. And oftentimes we think of startups as being young guys hacking away, you know, in an accelerator or incubator. But entrepreneurship by necessity, where you have that fire under you to support yourself, your family, to leave your legacy, leave your mark, there's nothing that compares with that fire um, that uh, COVID has brought. And so we're seeing all these new startups and all these new companies that are not just being started up by kind of that um, very um, uh, homogenous group. Now you're seeing a diversity of startups. You're seeing indigenous entrepreneurs that are thriving with all different types of companies. You're seeing, you know, a a big initiative around black business owners across the country, a realization that our strength is our diversity. So certainly the silver lining that every entrepreneur knows is we turn lemons into lemonade constantly. Um, And there has been so many silver linings in so far as giving us the time to really set our journey and choose where we want to go in life in terms of, you know, really upskilling and pivoting and seeing new markets unfold before us that we didn't see before. And in terms of giving fire under us to show that, you know, status quo is not okay. And um, whether you're starting a business 
or not, entrepreneurial resilience is a, a key way of life moving forward. So Victoria, from your experience working with thousands of entrepreneurs over the years, what's the best way to prepare for financial success, whether it's looking at debt or equity financing or, or otherwise? I think for all the new entrepreneurs out there, you can't get away from understanding your numbers. And oftentimes when we are starting up, we're starting up with a passion, a problem we want to solve. We're not thinking about the financials behind the company that we're creating. Uh, but get real about it really, really fast because um, the implications of starting a company without financial literacy, um, it, it, it's a recipe for disaster. So really get your, your uh, financial literacy up understand what a cash flow forecast is, plan your expenses, really understand all the expenses and your time that goes into making that one product or that one app or whatever you're doing, just really understand how much it takes uh, and, 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 and all of that. The other side of it too is that there's a lot of support in Canada. We have an incredible ecosystem um, that can really offset a lot of your early startup costs. We have uh, shred tax credits. This helps to offset 75% of your R&D up front. Uh, it just means you can keep more money in your pockets. And so really trying to build really lean, really thinking about your minimal viable product, getting to market quickly, iterating constantly, um, and being okay to kind of yes, no, stop, start, say stop if it's not making financial sense. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of options. You, you have friends and family and fools, you have crowdfunding. There's a lot you can do before even having to think about, you know, taking out a loan or looking at um, angel investors or venture capitalists, even if that's for you at all. Getting to know your numbers first and letting your business model um, kind of form itself and prove that out. So, Michael, I'd actually I'd love to bring that question to you. And you talked about it earlier, gross margins, which, of course, um, you know, are so important. Do you want to unpack that a little bit and talk about what you would look for, maybe basic unit economics or how should people think about uh, how much money they might need up front and, and what's kind of a good target in, in what time frame? Yeah, it's hard to talk about it just globally, but I'll kind of set some standards for you. A hot dog vendor in New York City has a gross margin of maybe 40%. Okay, that's what it is. Meaning that I got my hot dog cart, I got my hot dogs, I'm going to sell you a hot dog for 10 bucks. I don't know exactly how much it is now, five bucks. You know, 60% uh, of it is, 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 is uh, expenditures, and then the 40% is the gross margin. So where are you compared to a hot dog vendor, I like to kind of say. And so typically, um, if you can keep, uh, the best companies can increase their revenue and increase their gross margin. Okay, go back to the Buffett and Charlie Munger ideas of business, and it's really, really simple. Let's go back to what they say, which is the value of a company is strictly based on the future cash flow potential. So if I line you up today to infinity of all the cash you'll ever make, that's the value of the company. Why was Facebook worth some crazy number early? Why, even though all the fighting and problems at, about Facebook's this and that, why does the stock keep going up? The average profit margin on the bottom of an S&P company is about 10%. Facebook's is 47. They literally print cash. And that's the same with Google and these tech companies. And why do they literally print cash? Because if their net is that high, their gross is way higher, right? So that's the thing. And not only do they increase their revenue, they tick up that gross margin. If I go in and look at a company, John, and I see them skyrocketing on revenue and the gross margin falling, you're buying those sales. 
you're buying that revenue. So the a dollar of revenue is not always a dollar of revenue. There's a quality of those earnings. As a software company, if you come to me, if you don't have a gross margin above 70%, no green check mark from me, right? I like to see above 80. Best, best of breed tech companies, once you put in customer service and installation and AWS fees and all that should be above 80. I know everybody thinks they're above 90, but when you really calculate them, probably above 80, 82, 83. And you kind of run your business from that. Now, those of you watching that are kind of in retail and other things that are non-tech, you know, you really have to see, okay, um, an old school um, storage company used to have a gross margin of actually 20%. That's an old school storage. You know, we store your stuff, we, but we have to pay for the building and the heating and lighting. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a big investor in, in, a, in a Canadian uh, company called Second Closet. They'll be changing their name in a week, by the way. Get, get excited. And, um, but their gross margins are double or even higher and ticking up from that. But what's interesting and how are they doing that? The reason that they're an investable company is they're bringing in all this technology to scale the gross margin. And why are they doing that? So they can eventually produce a lot of net margin on the bottom. Does that make sense? So the idea is technology comes in, robots come in, picking, packing, doing stuff. And eventually we start to create more bottom line because we're getting more efficient at what we can do with computing. So gross margin is the most key metric and, and watch where that's going with your revenue. But remember, eventually you have to actually produce a bottom line, a profit. I mean, eventually you do, because if you don't keep raising money, then, then the lights are gonna go out, right? So you can't just keep going on uh, raising money. Now, you can in this world that we're in today, because the 10 year, the, 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 the cost of capital is so low at 1.4%. By the way, it's a 200 year low. The cost of capital is at a 200 year low. And there's so much capital burning everywhere that you can raise capital as long as you're growing fast enough. And growth is about three times more important than profit if your growth is exciting. You're listening to Business Unplanned, a business podcast series from BMO. Make sure you subscribe for more conversations, learning and insights, or visit our business hub at bmo.com forward slash small business resource hub. There you'll find helpful articles and videos for any stage of business, whether you're starting out, expanding, or looking for advice. I recommend the latest content series on crisis planning, which in this current age is more relevant than ever. There's an expansive e-guide that you can download absolutely free with chapters about cash flow crisis or even applying for government grants. And there's four companion workbooks to help you get started. So if you want to see your business one step ahead, visit bmo.com forward slash small business resource hub. Let's, uh, let's jump back to Victoria and just kind of change uh, the, the topic for a moment. I'd love to talk about inclusion, diversity, and environmental sustainability. They've become front and center worldwide. People want to buy from and support companies that walk the talk. So how can entrepreneurs ensure they are building companies that create a healthier and more inclusive world and companies that are tools of reconciliation? Oh, well, I'm glad we're talking about that. That's so important, uh, especially today. And, you know, we've seen in the news constantly, uh, even yesterday, more uh, unmarked graves being um, realized and, and found and we're confronted head on with our truth with our Indigenous communities. At the same time, we see all the fires out West and we're very concerned for our planet. There, there's As corporate citizens, we're building companies that are stewarding the future 
And we're also seeing companies like Google and Facebook. I mean, they're they're more powerful than a lot of nation states. And so as we're building companies, thinking about creating good and a better future for humanity is so important. And it's really easy to do that, especially from the start. It's a lot harder to do it once you kind of create those, you know, systems that are just perpetuating more of the same of, same of. So a few key ways you can do that uh, right, right now is take a quick Google of B Corp. You can set up your company as a B Corp and that will help you to really reassess your values, you know, understand, okay, who are the advisors I'm bringing in? How am I treating my employees? And it really is a holistic approach to thinking about your company with an annual audit function to make sure that, you know, you're staying true to that. So that's so powerful. Every company in Canada should be a B Corp, hard, hard yes. Please, thank you. Uh, the next thing is to align with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, there's 19 of them, and it could be anything from supporting equality of women um, to feeding hungry uh, people worldwide um, to investing in clean technologies. But every single company should know which sustainable development goal they're feeding. And if they're not fueling one of the sustainable development goals, they miss the mark on how we're working on advancing humanity altogether. Um, so those are two concrete things that every company can do. Super simple. It's free to do. Just a quick Google of B Corp, a quick Google of UN Sustainable Development Goals. Now, when it comes to kind of reconciliation with our with our Indigenous communities, this is going to take time. And it starts with ed education. Um, there's free courses on Coursera um, and other platforms to educate us about our Indigenous history. Um, most of us, when we went to high school, we didn't learn about um, our, our true history as a country, the colonialism. You know, we knew it was there, but we didn't know the extent of it, which was really genocide of an entire part of, you know, Canada. And it's now the fastest growing population. It's projected to be a hundred billion dollar economy by 2030 by Indigenomics, the Indigenous economy. You know, Indigenous businesses mean big business for Canada, uh, and it's super exciting. Uh, but it starts with education, learning and listening, and then starting to embed what you're learning into your company. It's about Indigenous land uh, acknowledgements. Um, it's about reaching out to Indigenous nations where you're based and just, you know, letting uh, the community know about your company, you're on their land, and seeing how you can work with that community. Um, it, you know, the medicine wheel really is all about all the all of the backgrounds, all the nations coming together. You know, white people and indigenous people and Asian people and all different colors coming together and supporting one another. So it isn't just about reconciliation from an indigenous perspective. It's about how we create, you know, an inclusive. Um, an inclusive company where everyone's welcome, but also where you can also, you know, serve the Indigenous community. Again, fastest growing Canada, very exciting economically, creating incredible companies. So hopefully, you know, those are a few key practical ways that we can move forward together, but it is about walking the talk and not just talking the talk. And what I love about B Corp companies is kind of, it, it gets reinforced through the institutions and governance of the organization. So hopefully that helps a bit. A uh, question I want to ask here, uh, this came up a couple different ways. Um, wh where would you invest your time right now in terms of marketing uh, on social media? You know, there's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. If you have to pick one and sort of think about it tactically, where would you put your time right now?
now some of the social platforms, they have e-commerce functionalities and I'm seeing businesses start up without even having their own website. They're just selling online on Instagram and selling out in, in seconds uh, because they've, they've created a campaign and everyone knows when it's going to drop and it drops. So it's producing all these new marketplaces for us to be able to grow. The other side is how we activate all those social channels as it relates to our employees and our social causes. You know, I love these uh, social channels that really showcase their employees and the values of the company and the impact that they're making. So really looking at not just to push product, but also to kind of create that intimate experience and finding the right platform for the various audiences. I, I want to ask a question here. An interesting one came in from Kevin. Uh, is there room for art in the workplace, murals, or is it a luxury in our COVID times? And I'll just expand the question. You know, the whole idea of, I mean, in this case, you have a luxury good, which is, you know, a, a beautiful uh, mural, and you're going to be targeting the office community. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sort of a business challenge. And, and again, we can broaden the question. Are there businesses that should rethink their entire purpose of being if they were you know, targeting the workplace or targeting something that maybe has fallen out of fashion? Or do you think that they should double down and focus on what they're good at and maybe they'll, they'll find that niche audience? I really think uh, it's about being really innovative with the model. Um, and you, know, you might be selling art, but where are you selling it? You know, how are you reaching your customers? How are you creating demand around it? So I think it's about the model. Uh, there's, you know, art companies where you rent art. You know, imagine equipping your employees with, with beautiful art that tours their homes. You know, imagine, you know, providing your executives with, you know, that level of beauty to inspire them, you know. So I think it really is about thinking about your model, thinking about your niche and kind of having to pivot. But I don't think it means you stop making art. Uh, I think it means that you start really thinking about who who your customer is and who's going to pay for your services to the level you want them to. A friend of mine, a guy I know, uh, did murals for a tech company in early 2000s. They couldn't pay him. They gave him stock uh, and they gave him a lot of stock. Um, his name's David Cho. You look him up and he's in L.A. And uh, he did it for this small company called Facebook. Anyways, he <laughs> never has to work again. And also, as a side note, they also gave the massage therapist stock in Facebook because they couldn't pay her either, and she never <laughs> had to work again. But you know what I love? If that person finds me on LinkedIn and comes to my house and does some lovely animal murals for my kids, like a giraffe coming over. So I think, actually, your idea is fabulous. Just come to the home and do the murals. Um, let's do some some uh, closing remarks, um, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up the session. Victoria, any uh, closing comments or thoughts you want to share? Oh, just thank you so much for having me. I think you know a parting piece of advice for every entrepreneur, no matter what stage of business you are, is to reach out to your community. There's a fantastic startup and entrepreneurship community across Canada through Startup Canada as well as locally, Startup Vancouver, Startup Toronto, Startup Halifax, no matter where you are, there's a community there of mentors, advisors, who just wanna see each other succeed and will always be your rallying source, you know, to test out those ideas, to make sure that you don't fall into Michael's bad category of a bad entrepreneur. You wanna be a good entrepreneur and good entrepreneurs learn from one another and pivot and challenge each other. So, you know, don't go at it alone. You don't need to. And in fact, doing so at your peril. So definitely join your startup community and uh, good luck everybody. 
Thanks for listening to Business Unplanned, a business podcast from BMO. For more information on how you can prepare your business for the future, visit bmo.com slash small business resource hub.